What do the Synoptic Gospels teach us about Jesus? Well, if you're new to the phrase Synoptic Gospels, really what we're talking about is Matthew, Mark, and Luke. These three Gospels are called the Synoptic Gospels because of their similarity in content and structure and in flow in the Gospel narratives of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Now, this is not to say that Matthew, Mark, and Luke are in opposition to the Gospel of John, but there's certainly a huge uh, difference in the structure of content in those books. And what we have in our modern day that is incredibly helpful for us uh, to use is books like this, The Harmony of the Gospels. This is in the NIV. Um, I have a couple different of these, and these are basically um, a consolidation of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John um, all into four columns. And what you're able to do when you read this is you're able to look at the similarities between uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, oftentimes, uh, the page I'll show you here on the screen, the page is typically con comprised of just three columns because of the fact that Matthew, Mark, and Luke have similar, almost identical content. And every now and then when there's a crossover in the Gospel of John, then that'll be included in there as well. But I really want to encourage you to actually read um, the Gospels together with a book such as this, The Harmony of the Gospels or the Synoptic um, Gospels is, is what people will also call collections like that, uh, so that you can see those similarities. But I don't want to talk so much about the similarity of content. I actually want to talk about the theological emphasis of these Gospels. Now, it's really important to point out that even though we call Matthew, Mark, and Luke the synoptic Gospels because of their similarities, um, the actual definition of synoptic really helps capture a, a protection for us because what we tend to do when we think about synoptic is, number one, we can pit Matthew, Mark, and Luke against John, as I said, or we can actually suggest that Matthew, Mark, and Luke have content that doesn't agree with one another, or that you have the Matthew version of Jesus, the Mark version of Jesus, and the Luke version of Jesus, as if it's like pick your favorite flavor type thing. And that's certainly not any anywhere along the radar of what we should be thinking about with the Synoptic Gospels. So Synoptic, just as a, a definition from Merriam-Webster, affording a general view of a whole, or manifesting or characterized by comprehensiveness or breadth of view, presenting or taking the same or common view specifically. And all of these really help because they, they emphasize the fact that these Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are a broad picture thing. So it's not as if we just have a piece of the pie cut out. And here's your piece of Matthew pie, Mark pie, and Luke pie. And you can pick your favorite one. Instead, these are not giving us bits and pieces of Jesus. These are giving us the same picture of Jesus, but there's a different point of emphasis. So again, this is a affording a general view of a whole. The whole is, is the point. 
not the just this view or that view, but this view or that view helps us with the theological emphasis that is intended by the author. So, for example, this is how I would categorize Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Matthew presents the gospel of the Messiah. Mark presents the gospel of the suffering Son of God. Luke presents the gospel of the Savior for all people. And these are kind of classical textbook um, points of emphasis that people have noticed in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So these aren't original to me, but I think they're a great way of, of considering these three gospels. So Matthew presents the gospel of the Messiah. So what you're going to see in the gospel of Matthew is a huge uh, push for his readers to understand that Jesus is the promised Messiah. Jesus is the culmination of the Messianic prophecies in the Old Testament. So Matthew is going to repeatedly refer back to the Old Testament by quoting the prophets, by quoting the Psalms, and he's going to say that all this took place to fulfill this. So this point in the life of Jesus, or Jesus arriving and doing this, is the fulfillment of this. He's wanting his readers to understand that Jesus is the promised Messiah. And for that matter, that's why we see so much interaction taking place between Jesus and the scribes and the Pharisees dealing with points of the law in the Old Testament and this point of emphasis or this point of fulfillment. So, for example, you see in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount when he talks about coming to not overthrow the law but to fulfill it. So this, again, is this messianic concept Uh, this interaction between the Old Testament and who Jesus is as a fulfillment in the New Testament. Matthew wants us to understand that, so he's going to spend a lot of time making this theological point. Mark, presenting the gospel of the suffering Son of God, wants to capture that Jesus, wants to capture for us that Jesus is the suffering servant. You think about Isaiah, for example, the suffering servant passage, or the servant of the Lord passages in the Old Testament. Jesus illustrates that he is one who has come not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And because of this, uh, Mark doesn't spend quite as much time uh, dealing with all the intricacies of the text, such as we see in Matthew or especially in Luke, um, because he's wanting us to understand more so Jesus' ministry of the cross, Jesus getting to the cross and enduring hardship along the way and seeking to serve his people at every turn. So that's kind of the emphasis in Mark. Again, these are not different spins on who Jesus is, but these are different points of emphasis and, in fact, different points of Old Testament fulfillment that these authors want us to understand. And it's it's also... Um, widely understood that the gospel of Mark was given primarily to a Gentile audience as opposed to the gospel of Matthew. This is not necessarily a view that must be understood, but if that's true, it does help also understand why there's not as much time uh, spent in dealing with all the intricacies of the Old Testament, um, such as the laws of Moses, the ceremonial laws, the issues of the Sabbath and, and whatnot. Uh, quite to the level that we see in the Gospel of Matthew. And then lastly, Luke presents the Gospel as Jesus being the Savior of all people. 
So Luke is a historian. We see, actually, this is one of the helps. Um, Luke actually tells us flat out why he's writing the gospel. So, you know, Luke writes the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. These are a two-volume collection from the pen of Luke, and he dedicates it to Theophilus, and he writes this um, with an argument, or we could say an apologetic, a defense of the Christian faith, a defense of who Jesus is, and he walks us through Jesus' life. He illustrates all of these uh, moments in Jesus' life in order to illustrate that Jesus is indeed the Savior of the world. So, in Luke, you see a lot of inclusiveness. And again, this is not antithetical or contradictory to the Gospel of Matthew. This really has to do more so with who the intended audience is, or who the who the original audience is, I should say. Luke wants us to understand that Jesus is not merely a Jewish Messiah. He's certainly not a political Messiah in the sense that uh, most of Jesus' contemporaries wrongly understood him to be. But in fact, he is the savior of the whole world of all peoples. And how does Luke do this? Well, he includes Old Testament passages that speak to this fact. So Luke is not just inventing uh, this concept of Jesus being a Messiah for all peoples and savior out of thin air. But in fact, he's calling to mind this fulfillment that we see where else than the Old Testament that Jesus is coming Uh, to call all nations to himself. And again, for that matter, we we shouldn't think that this is contradictory to the Gospel of Matthew as being primarily for a Jewish audience, because where do we see um, this language? Look no further than the Gospel of Matthew itself in the Great Commission, where the Gospel is to go to all peoples, all nations. So again, what we're talking about here, that there's a different theological point of emphasis in each of these three Gospels. But, even though there's a different theological emphasis, the structure and the content included, the actual points in the life of Jesus, are very, very similar, most of the time structured in the same order even. And so, we can read and see that there's a lot of literary similarity, but there's actually a vast difference in the theological conclusions coming in Matthew, in Mark, and in Luke. And understanding this really helps us to see the whole picture. And we're not looking at different pictures, we're looking at the whole picture. And when we appreciate the fact that each theological point of emphasis made by these authors is taken straight from the Old Testament, we realize that Jesus is not just this fulfillment here or that fulfillment there, but he is the grand fulfillment of all of God's promises. And because of that, God gives us all of these gospel accounts to understand the full picture, to not just take this view or that view, but to understand that all of these supplement each other, and they help us as Christians to have the right view of who Jesus is without distorting who he is or without diminishing who he is. And this is just a really helpful way for us to read our Bible. So I just I commend to you um, to really start to understand the Synoptic Gospels, all four, four of them for that matter, included with John, but to really understand and appreciate what the authors are doing as they write these accounts of Jesus' life for us.